One morning, a woman called on Alice and I at our house, seeking help. While Alice served us coffee in the living room, this middle-aged lady told me that she had recently suffered a nervous breakdown, followed by confinement in a hospital. When she left the hospital, the doctor had put her on tranquilizers. She had become so accustomed to them that she could not now face day-to-day tensions without her daily dosage. It's this emotional dependency that bothers me, she said. A friend has been following your work, and she suggests that this may be demonic. What do you, th- what do you think? I don't know, I answered. I've never heard of a demon of tranquilizers, but I certainly doubt that any chemical dependency could be of God. Would you like to pray about it? As we prayed, a spirit of addiction named itself. It was still, no matter how often we say it, a remarkable thing to witness the transformation which took place under the deliverance ministry. Right there at our coffee table, Alice and I watched the strange watched the strained and tormented expression leave this woman's face. She looked years younger. When she left, I was satisfied that she had been greatly helped. Two weeks later, though, I met our mutual friend. How's Adeline? I asked. The friend shook her head sadly. She's having trouble again, and she's angry with you. What happened? I asked. And so the story came out. Adeline had been absolutely free for about eight days after her deliverance. She had lived those days in a kind of heavenly peace, no nervousness, no fear, no desire for drugs. Then one night, Adeline's husband came home intoxicated. It was a realistic point of tension, and Adeline took a couple of tranquilizers. By the next week, she was taking tranquilizers regularly again. Long after the trauma of the drunken husband had passed, she was still plagued with such tensions as to require chemical solution. How do you account for it? Our friend asked. How indeed? Nor was it the first time, nor was it the first time the question had come up. I was running into the problem with increasing frequency. Most people who are delivered seem to stay delivered. Often I would hear heartwarming reports of their continued victory and freedom. But more and more I was encountering those who, like Adeline, seemed initially helped only to suffer a relapse. One day, shortly after the the experience with Adeline, I had had a long-distance phone call from Maxwell White in Toronto. Don, he asked, did you minister to a former parishioner of mine named Williams your last time in Detroit? Indeed, I had. In a small Methodist church, Mrs. Williams, along with several other people, had come to the altar for prayer and for healing. There had been no mention of deliverance in my message. Nevertheless, when I laid hands on Mrs. Williams' head, she began to wail incoherently, 
The minister took her into his office, where we prayed for her deliverance with startling effectiveness. The pastor was at first stunned, then amazed, and finally elated over the dramatic change in his parishioner. Yes, I did, I answered. How did you hear about it? I was feeling a little prideful over her deliverance and was completely unprepared for Maxwell White's next words. Mrs. William phoned me at two this morning. His voice was wry. She was nearly hysterical, said the demons had come back and she was worse than she'd ever been. I was dismayed. I'm sorry she picked on you, I apologized. But I don't understand. I felt sure her deliverance was real. What do you suppose I did wrong? Maxwell White gave a sympathetic chuckle over the phone. I doubt you did anything wrong. She didn't protect her deliverance and the demons came back, that's all. Protect her deliverance? Could this have been Adeline's problem too? I turned to my Bible once more, and as I examined the problem in the light of Scripture, I saw a truth I had glimpsed only faintly before. Man has a vital role to play in keeping any healing which God brings to his life. I say that again. Man has a vital role to play in keeping any healing which God brings to his life. For example, to the lame man healed on the Sabbath, Jesus gave sober advice. See you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse befall you. John 5.14 And concerning deliverance, he warned that, quote, Seven other spirits, more evil than the first, could enter a man who had been delivered, making his last state worse than his first. Matthew thirteen forty three through 44 It seemed a strange and troubling saying, as if implying that to be delivered from an evil spirit was risky, opening the door to still worse torment. But then I saw that Jesus was simply saying that we must protect what God has given us. The evil spirit in Jesus' teaching returned to find his house swept, yes, and put in order too, but it was empty. The man had done nothing to fill up his house with the Holy Spirit so that the evil spirit could not find room. The implication, at any rate, was that instead of making a definite move toward God, the man had continued in his old way, leaving himself wide open for re-invasion by the enemy. I found myself thinking of an analogy Derek Prince had used one evening when Alice and I heard him speak of the Holy Spirit teaching mission in Fort Lauderdale. Recalling Paul's statement about spiritual warfare, he likened the human personality to a great city made up of different neighborhoods. Conquest of the whole city is Satan's ultimate aim. The person in need of deliverance is like a city with some neighborhoods which have already been captured and are under the control of the enemy. In the deliverance ministry, said Derek, we storm the city to drive the enemy out. In the process, some of the city walls are destroyed. After the invader is gone, rebuilding must take place. Defenses must be restored. 
In addition, occupied districts often lose the initiative to care for themselves. So it is in Derek's illustration with areas that have been occupied by demons. After the demons are cast out, he cautioned, the person must re reassume control of those areas of his personality where the demons resided. Some people apparently did this automatically. Others, like Adeline and Mrs. Williams, would need guidance and support in rebuilding the walls. It all seemed so clear and so essential that I regretted I had not been teaching these things all along. The basic answer to keeping what God gives us, I knew, whether it's salvation, healing, or deliverance, is total commitment of one's life to Jesus Christ. In practice, of course, this must be worked out in the specifics of daily living. Over the next few weeks, I listed some of those specifics. Total commitment to Jesus Christ. One, live by the scriptures. The Bible is exclusively the inspired word of God. Two, learn to praise God continually. Songs and spiritual songs. Three, protect and guard your thought life. Capture every thought. Four, cultivate right relationships. Seek out healthy people who are likewise striving for a personal relationship with Christ. Five, submit to discipline. Don't be afraid of getting your will crossed. Don't commit yourself to weak, sad, simpering relationships. For the person who has received deliverance, these steps will be of critical importance. Total commitment to Jesus Christ means that with a voluntary act of the will, every area of life is to be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. No more partial commitments. Such a, rend sorry, such a surrender recognizes the right of Christ to control and govern each decision as it arises. Number one, live by the scriptures. The word of God proclaims Satan's defeat by standing on God's word. A person who has been delivered can block Satan's attempts to return. Jesus himself, during his temptations, withstood Satan by reliance on the written word. Quote, it is written. He has said in response to every allurement of the devil. The scriptures confirm the health, protection, and deliverance. The scriptures confirm that health, protection, and deliverance are all part of our inheritance in Christ. But we cannot claim these promises if we are not aware of them, and this means prayerful and expectant daily Bible reading. Number two, learn to praise God continually. The Neville. The Neville. Poor Neville. <clears throat> Let's try that again. The devil never has much luck with a grateful man. An attitude of thanksgiving and praise can thwart Satan's efforts to dislodge us from our place in Jesus. Such an attitude is especially important after deliverance. 
It is one of the ways we rebuild the walls. Rejoice evermore, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Number three, protect and guard your thought your, your oh. protect and guard your thought life. The mind is Satan's primary target by suggestion and in and insinuation his temptations subtly begin. Therefore, we must put on the helmet of salvation to cover and protect the mind. This means nipping certain conversations in the bud. It means avoiding certain films, books, and environments that we know spell danger for us. It is no sin to be tempted, but to invite and entertain temptation is to hold open a door to the enemy. Number four, cultivate right relationships. Hatred and resentment toward others creates the ideal climate for demonic invasion. Just as a person can scarcely be delivered without forgiving those who have injured him, neither can he keep his deliverance for long if he permits bitterness and resentment to creep in. Maintaining loving relationships with others and practicing continual on-the-spot forgiveness are two of the surest wall builders. Number five, submit to discipline. Demonic problems are often the result of overindulgence of some appetite or weakness or pride. For the one delivered, discipline becomes an essential part of keeping the victory, not just self-discipline, but also submission to one another, even those more mature in Jesus Christ. This means becoming a part of a regularly meeting body of Christians and submitting your plans and desires to the wisdom of the group where appropriate. All right, I don't agree with that. Um, I think that submitting plans to the group is not wise. Um, I think that submitting desires is wise, but I don't know that submitting plans to a group is wise. Sometime after drawing, I'm going to start reading again. Sometime after drawing up this list, I had the chance to minister to Adeline, Adeline again, and this time I passed on to her the five basic steps for maintaining deliverance. Adeline promised that she would try to follow them. We hear from her from time to time, and the principles seem to be working. I don't mean to indicate that she has no problems. In fact, her husband eventually lost his job because of his trouble with alcohol. But I can state that Adeline, that Adeline has remained free of the demon which had plagued her. She faces her problems now without the added burden of drug dependence. From that time on, when I ministered deliverance, I also encouraged people to take definite steps to protect what God had given them. Sure enough, complaints about demons returning began to diminish. It wasn't until later that I came to see another subtle tactic of Lucifer in his efforts to rob us of our victories. I met John in Cleveland, Ohio. A Presbyterian pastor, John had a thriving church where the charismatic renewal was active and healthy. Still, he himself had a personal problem which had not been able to overcome. 
To tell you frankly, Don, John had told me one sunny afternoon as we drove along Lake Erie, I don't think this makes a very good witness. And he patted his huge stomach. It was true, John was morbidly obese. He described a lifelong struggle against overeating. It's not glandular, it's not a medical problem, it's simply a case of too many calories, John confessed. I know that, but I can't seem to do anything about it. Listening to your talk about demons, I began to wonder if I am being manipulated by some kind of spirit. Do you think we could pray about it together? Of course we could pray about it. We pulled into a parking area overlooking the lake, and I led John step by step through the deliverance. As we both expected, gluttony was identified and cast out. Afterward, I gave John some suggestions on protecting his deliverance. As far as I could tell, we had left nothing undone to ensure John the victory he so earnestly desired. But by now I had witnessed so many... Turn the page. Deliverances, I would have stated confidently that this was a successful one. I make such a point of this because three months later, when I was in Cleveland again, I looked forward to seeing John, but it became obvious that he was making every effort to avoid me. When we finally appeared at the same meeting together, I saw why. If anything, John was heavier than before. After the meeting, I approached him. Something is wrong between me and thee, I said. Can we talk about it? John looked at me for a long time, then finally nodded. Yes, there is something wrong. The deliverance business of yours just doesn't work, as you can see. John's story was most interesting. After his deliverance, he had had two weeks of freedom from his old compulsion to open the refrigerator door every time he passed it. He was delighted and went about telling people of the tremendous gift God had given him. During this short period, he did indeed lose ten pounds. But then, bit by bit, became difficult again for him to pass that refrigerator. John was confused. If indeed he had been delivered, how could he still be having his old problems? I don't understand how healing can be a process, John said. He could become well bit by bit. Let me try to read that correctly. I'll try that again. I can understand how healing can be a process, John said. You can become well bit by bit, but deliverance is different, isn't it? Either you have a demon or you don't. I guess my demon of gluttony never left, or if it did, it came back. As I listened, I suddenly caught Satan in the middle of a lie. I recalled from my earlier research how both evil spirits and the carnal nature were concerns of the New Testament church. The first Christians used deliverance if the problem was evil spirits, prayer, and self-discipline to crucify the flesh. That, I suddenly saw, could be the answer to John's difficulty. The first Christians used deliverance if the problem was evil spirits, but they used prayer and self-discipline to crucify the flesh. Hmm. John was involved not with one problem, but two. When John was young, he had had a tendency in the flesh to overeat. It was a weakness to be overcome by prayer and willpower. 
but subtly and cleverly an evil spirit took advantage of this weakness and invaded his body as a demon of gluttony. Then John had two forces to contend with, his natural tendency to eat too much, and an evil spirit which had taken root in this weakness and lived there. I explained the principle to John. Don't you see, I said to him, you really were set free from the evil spirit which had been tormenting you. What was left was the natural ground, your own liking for food. The demon you could not control, but your own appetite you can. Remember, an evil spirit comes in through our weakness. After it is cast out, we still have the weakness to overcome. I saw the light of understanding come into John's eyes. Don, I do believe you are right, he exclaimed. I was so excited with my deliverance and freedom those first few days that I completely forgot my natural craving for food. When some of that craving returned, I guess I became discouraged and assumed nothing had happened. Then go back to your victory, I said to John. Claim it again. What you are encountering now is simply a temptation of the flesh, and you can control it. It's not the spirit of gluttony still in control, and don't let the devil tell you about it. And don't let the devil tell you it is. I saw John again some months later. It was, frankly, a bit difficult to recognize him. He had lost 60 pounds. His skin tone was firm, his step light. Ah, oh, there you are, John said with mock severity. I've got a score to settle with you. Do you realize that you and your deliverance ministry have cost me an entire wardrobe? 